Good to see you this morning. Good to be back with you. There was a church in Omaha, Nebraska that had a service where they give everyone a helium balloon. And they said during that service they wanted people when they felt felt that they were overcome with joy to release the balloon. Well, the church they were not allowed to see say out loud amen or praise the Lord. So during the service one or two balloons got left left go. But by the end of the service most people still had their balloons. There was nothing in there to be joyous about, they thought. But here's the moral of the story. We've got to let our balloons go. You see, the very interesting thing about that story is this. You may be sitting here today and have no joy. Over the past few weeks or month, I have been speaking on encouragement. And as we are experiencing the months where everybody goes on vacation, I pray that they watch us on the internet, if you are, or they go back and watch these series, because I think now more than ever, we need to be encouraged. And there's so many things that steal our joy. There's so many things that keep us from being what God wants us to be. And this morning... If you have your Bibles, I ask that you stand with me as we read the Word of God. If you do not have it, you can look up on the screen as I have named this service, if you will, sermon, praising outwardly and inwardly. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good repute, if there be any excellence and if any worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all the blessings that you've given us. And God, as we study your word today, Lord, let us find joy regardless of whether it, where it, <clears throat> whatever circumstance we may be in. Because God, that joy that needs to be found is always found in you. And you will uplift us and sustain us regardless of what comes our way. And God, I pray today, the Lord, if anyone in here did not have a relationship with your son Jesus Christ, that you convict their hearts before it's eternally too late. God, I pray today, if there be one here that is struggling with finding peace and joy in you, that Lord, you clear the scales from their eyes. And God will give you the praise and glory for it. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated.
Now, I'd like to give you a little background of this text. You see, right before in the first few verses, Paul will urge Yodia and Santucci to live in harmony. They are in disagreement with one another. And there's a problem. And it needed to be resolved. And Paul says first he wants them to be reconciled. And as he goes through this, he'll begin in verse 4 going, Rejoice in the Lord always. I think one illustrator said this, We can learn from these two that's in disagreement that it's hard to be mad at you, mad at each other when you're rejoicing in Christ. Even in situations that don't seem favorable, we are to rejoice. Rod Mattoon said this, There are people in the world that are crucified between two thieves every day. Worry and regret. Those two thieves overwhelm us. And we never have an opportunity to rejoice. We only seem that there's joy that comes into our lives when everything seems to be going the way we think it should go. Rejoice comes from the Greek word kairo. And it means living a lifestyle of joy that emanates from an active choice of our will regardless of our adverse circumstances. It's a choice of our will to either either live in joy or to live in misery. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. He repeats it. That inwardly and outwardly, continually, we should live in the joy of the Lord. You see, what's very interesting about this passage is that there's so many people that their lifestyle does not reflect joy. I posted something on Facebook the other day that Adrian Rogers said, if your faith cannot get you into church on Sunday, I doubt it's going to get you into heaven. Why do people not fellowship with God's people? Because they come to the conclusion there's something greater. Maybe fear. You don't know, the, man, them people. I don't know if I should be around people. I might be judged. I might get sick. I might get mad. And they wonder why there's no joy in their life. Because they choose to be miserable. Even in the circumstances when we... Paul is... Listen, Paul is not saying here... That he is not that people are going to go through bad times. You are. But either you believe God is in control or he's not. One of the things that offend people a lot when I say that, when people say, why did you do this or you do that? I said, I believe in the sovereignty of God. And I am content with that statement. And I'm going to tell you why. Because if my joy is found in things then it's temporarily and it spurns my emotions. If my joy is found in Christ, then it consumes my being and regardless of any circumstances, 
I am joyful. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Brothers and sisters, please listen. You can rejoice in Christ no matter what you are going through. You say, Chad, I don't believe that. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Now let me give you a little Reader's Digest of what's going on. Okay? Peter and the disciples have just experienced a, 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 a revival of the church, if you will. Ananias and Sapphira died. And they're going around and they're touching people. And the Bible even says that people desire to even get in their shadow. There's miracles going on. Well, the religious people don't like this. So they bring these disciples in to question them up. And let me tell you what happens. They are questioned before the council. Then a man calls Gamaliel, man called Gamaliel says, man, we need to be careful with these people. We need to just be a little bit careful. So they said, okay, let's just beat them. So the Bible says this. They took his advice in verse 40, and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, then released them. They flogged them. Do you know what flogging entailed of? How many of you have ever been beat with a whip? <laughs> they were flogged profusely. But look what the Bible says. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, verse 41, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. Do you realize that all of the apostles that followed Jesus died bad deaths? Bad. Christian followers were persecuted tremendously. They died horrendous deaths. I'm not talking about, you know, just pushed out in front of a bus. They were beheaded. They were speared. They were burnt. At the stake. And they rejoiced. Because they thought it worthy. Because regardless of their circumstance, they had a heavenly vision instead of an earthly one. And they rejoiced. And listen to what verse 42 said. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus is the Christ. <laughs> they didn't back down regardless of what was thrown at them. They rejoiced in the Lord. They were beaten and they rejoiced. I don't care what circumstance you're in, you can rejoice. Chad, you don't know I'm sick, I may die. Then rejoice that you'll be in the presence of Jesus if you have a relationship with Him. Look, I'm not going around here and saying, Chad, I, I, I want to leave the world tomorrow. But I've come to this conclusion that regardless of what plan God has for me, whether on this earth or not on this earth, He is still in control. And He has me in the palm of His hand. 
And we should all live the same. Because again, the reason I brought that statement about faith in church, because if it can't get you to fellowship with God's people, then you don't have the faith to rejoice. Listen to me. You know, I, I never claim to be one that is popular and give things that people love and will send me flowers on saying. But please understand from my point of view that more importantly than anything, people need a relationship with Jesus Christ. And second to that, you need to love your neighbors yourself and share that same gospel that people can understand that true joy is found in the Lord, not what this world will throw at them. So rejoice. And let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Ah, oh, the identification of a real born-again born believer. The gentle spirit among all men. Do you curse out at people when they cut in front of you on the street? <clears throat> Do you scream at others? Do you have that temper that goes from zero to 60 in about 1.3 seconds? Do we handle people with gentleness? With a heart that is kind, that reflects the attitude of Jesus Christ? I cannot think of another person that was treated with such gentleness than the woman at the well who was caught in adultery. Or the other woman that Jesus began to draw in the dirt when the Pharisees condemned her. The whole point was this. Yes, they were sinners. Yes, they had issues. But God reached out to mercy. The same mercy He reached to them with, He has reached to us as born again believers in Jesus Christ. It should be expressed forward. Amen? Mercy. Is your spirit gentle? My wife gave me this quote this morning. Very interesting. This should be for all parents, because I believe our example should start in the home. But listen, let your children overhear you saying nice things about them. Remember that your words become their internal voice. Be kind. And talk nicely about others. When we point out the good in others, it becomes easier to see the good in others. Do we reflect the goodness of God or do we turn people against Him? Be gentle in your dealings with men. <clears throat> Whether they're sinners, be gentle in knowing that they need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether they're born again believers, be gentle in the restoration of them that they may come back into fellowship with Christ. And you're dealing with men, be gentle. That people will see in your attitude you have a reason for rejoicing. That you don't rejoice because this is something that you do flippantly. That you really believe what Christ has commanded and you want to live it. Be gentle. For the Lord is near. Do you realize that as a born again believer in Jesus Christ, Jesus is not far away. He is with you. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. That Jesus promised. Jesus, the one who saved our soul, the Spirit who seals our soul, will never leave us or forsake us. Let me, I want to go on a side note here for a minute. If there's ever been a moment to rejoice, right now is it. Because I've had a lot of people abandon me over stuff that was crazy. You've been the same way. Think about it. I'm making an illustration here. How many people have you called you thought were your friends would left over something crazy? People that you thought were true blue have left 
because they were offended. We ought to rejoice because yet in our own flaws and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he said he'd never leave us or forsake us. You will let men down. You will let Christ down in your life on this earth, but he will never let you down. He has always got you in the palm of his hand. Rejoice. And be anxious for nothing. Don't worry. Solomon said, Proverbs 23, 7, As a man thinks, so he is. Does your mind get consumed by worry? We talked about that the other week. Are you crucified between the two thieves? Worry and regret? He said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Spend your days in prayer. Prayer and supplication. You seek God in prayer. You seek Him in what you desire. I can't tell you He will always give you what you want. Most likely will not. But He'll guarantee to give you what you need. You see, this is the interesting part to me. Listen. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving... With thanksgiving. I never will forget my son. I kind of laugh at this. I don't know if I've ever told you all this before, but my son Tyler, I believe it's Tyler, Kidney, correct me if I'm wrong. One day he was going to get a spanking for misbehaving. And I said, Tyler, you're going to get a spanking. He said, well, wait a minute, Dad, I got something to say. I said, what you going to say? He said, wait, 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 just wait a minute, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I said... Go ahead, what you going to say, son? He said, oh, Lord, thank you for this whipping I'm about to receive. <laughs> I'll never forget that. I just dropped the belt and walked off. What are you going to do? You know, and wow. But in everything, give thanks. You know, I, I've told this illustration many times about the leper colony about the minister of music who was asking for requests as he was singing at a leopard colony. And this one feeble lady at the very back raised her nubby little hand because the leprosy had rotted off every finger she had. And he said, yes, ma'am, what could we sing for you? She said, count your many blessings. Yet not even a hand to hardly raise, but yet she was thankful because this earth is temporary. Are you heavenly focused? Look what he says. With thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Do you speak to him? Or do you shout at him? Are you asking him for guidance? Or are you demanding his attention? Regardless of what curveball life has given you, stand firm. And lift your request to God. I think a lot of times we we pray in a hoping manner and not a faithful manner. What do you mean, Chad? We hope that God may be who He says He is, but we really don't believe it. And then when He don't answer our prayer the way we think it should be answered, then it was in vain. 
But the same God that says yes can say no. Please understand that. And we're to rejoice in it. Have you ever thought about God may have put you in a situation so you can learn from it? Have you ever thought about most of the situations we got into, we put ourselves in? But God sometimes will deliver us, sometimes he won't. But I tell you what, when he leads you in those situations, it's to teach you something. Give thanks. Pray to help him use you. And look what the word says. And the peace of God. Look, the connecting sentence. And the peace of God. This is very important. I said this this morning, you've heard me say it a lot. There's always verses in context. Never take one verse, it never stands alone. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. To get the peace of God, you have to have faith in God. You have to reach out to Him in prayer and supplication. You have to rejoice. You have to say and be what you are. And the peace. You're not going to get the peace when you don't do those things. If you live in overwhelming worry, if you live in overwhelming anger, if you live in fear, if you live in a pessimistic lifestyle, why would you think he would ever give you peace? Because you don't trust him. Do we trust him? Rod Mattoon said this as well. Peace possessed by one who has health, wealth, and friends and loved ones is understandable. But the peace of God in the midst of trials and tribulation is different. The peace of God that passes understanding is peace so precious that man's mind with his skill and knowledge can never produce it. It can never be of man's contriving. It is only of God's giving. The world demands a price for peace, but it cannot deliver the goods after the price has been paid. The price for the peace of God has been paid for us. For the Lord Jesus Christ made peace through the blood of his cross. That's the peace that surpasses all understanding. That is the peace that when you can't get it, through the blood of Jesus Christ, you can have it. I tell people so many times, there's nothing I can say to make you feel better. There's nothing that I can say to make you change. But I can assure you, the Christ who changes your heart and has transformed your life will give you peace. And He'll give it when you need it. Trust me on this. Surpasses all comprehension. And the peace of God will guard. Let me tell you what that means in context. The peace will guard your heart. In other words, what he's saying in context, what he is saying in meaning, is you'll have a garrison around your heart protecting it. This world... This would have been a familiar picture to the Philippians, which was a Roman colony protected by Roman troops stationed in that town. The peace of God acts as a military god or sentinel at the door of our hearts and minds. God's peace guards against worry, fear, fretting, frustration, doubt, division, and unbelief. In 1555, Nicholas Ridley was burned at the stake because of his witness for Christ. 
On the night before Ridley's execution, his brother offered to remain with him in the prison chamber to be an assistance of comfort. And Nicholas declined the offer and replied that he meant to go to bed and sleep as quietly as he ever done. Because he knew the peace of God, he could rest in the strength of the everlasting arms of his Lord to meet his need. And so can we. You know, here's the point. Listen to me. I'm not going to say you're not going to have fears and concerns. But that is not the spirit that lives in you. It's not the spirit that God gives. Sure, I'm going to have problems. Sure, I'm going to be afraid. There are going to be moments that I fall. But it don't dwell in me continuously. It can't. That's why it shouldn't sit well with you either. Because you haven't given that, been given that spirit. The spirit you've been given as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ is a spirit that is greater than anything in the world. And it guards your heart. My grandfather used to say that God will give you a dying peace. And I never understood that for many years, but when he passed away, and years later that I reflect on it, I understand it. Because even in his death, just like every one of us will face it, our circumstances may be different. But I believe that the Bible is what it says it is. And I believe that when I'm ushered in front of the face of death, that Christ will be there to hold my hand. Do you believe that? God will give you peace when you need it. He will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good repute, if there is any excellence in anything worthy of praise, you dwell on these things. Whatever is true, truth, absolute truth, whatever is true is in God's Word. You reflect on God's Word. What clouds your mind? I've often said a man left alone in his thoughts can be a scary thing. And many times we are. But the Bible says that our minds, our inward praise, should be reflected toward godly things. Now look, there was a lady known as Garbage Mary who lived in Chicago. She was known by that by all the locals because she lived rummaging through people's trash and bumming cigarettes off the neighbors. Finally, when she was confronted by police, she was very incoherent, so they had took her to a psychiatric ward. When they went through her apartment, they found her checkbook in bonds, and she was worth millions. But lived among the moral and physical decay of the world. You see, that's what a lot of people do in your thoughts. Instead of choosing to live what God has given you. See, she was a daughter of a wealthy lawyer. She didn't use the income that he had given her. She chose to wallow in filth. 
And so many of us who claim to be believers, instead of having our minds focused on the things of God, we focus on the things that are morally filthy. And they consume us. And they cloud us. And they destroy us. How many people we know that have been addicted to pornography? How many people do we know that are addicted to drugs? How many people do we know that are addicted to things they shouldn't be addicted to? Because they've been left alone in their thoughts. Whatever is honorable, that which deserves honor. Whatever is right, that which is righteous. Whatever is pure, that which is holy. Whatever is lovely, that it exudes love. Whatever is good repute, that of good reputation. If there is anything excellent or praise, dwell on these things. What happens if you dwell on ungodly things out of this, this speaks? If you're continually dwelling on the moral depravity of this world, it will reflect in your life. I promise you. What do you think about? Do you think about the things of this world or do you think about heavenly things? You know, it's the thing that gets me through to know that when I'm going through mire and I'm going through awful things and I'm going through sickness. The other night before Tiffany took me to the hospital and I'm begging her to call 911, I'm sick. I'm sick. I've got food poisoning. I'm in the hospital at the beach, and I told people, if you ever go to North Pearl Beach, they got a nice hospital. I don't remember much of it, but it's nice. But I'm sitting here thinking, listen. I said, I am sick. I said, call the ambulance. She said, I can get you there quicker. So she got me in the car. As I was going up the road, I had my head out the window. And as the fresh air was hitting me, it reminded me of something. That that fresh air was hitting me was just like the fresh air of when I got saved. Even in the midst of my sickness, I had an understanding that Jesus was walking with me. And regardless of the outcome, he will be with me. What do we think of? Now, was I laying in the middle of the floor of the car going, Woo! No, but I tell you this. I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able. Coming to the understanding that regardless of what's thrown at me, that it's worth looking and knowing that Christ will teach us and guard us through it. Again, these guys rejoiced who lost their lives. We lose friends and we fall apart. Have you ever thought about that? I want to share something with you. You think of these things. And the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Be careful who your example is. Who do you look up to? Who sets your example? Who's your hero? So many times I ask people this question. I want to be just like so and so. Our desire is to strive to be like Jesus.
because this world is flawed. And see, I'm going to be honest with you. I shared this this morning. I want to share it with you. You see, I believe that we are now living in a world where the Word of God has been substituted, as I often say, for six flags over Jesus. We do not prepare people for persecution. We do not prepare people for the loss of friends. We do not prepare people correctly with the correct doctrine. As I said this morning, youth and adults are abandoning the church quicker than they ever have. You see, what I shared was, it's very amazing to me. It's why I want to teach and understand what we need to learn about God and dwelling in Him. You see, what I was sharing this morning in our class was this. When I was a child, now go with me, I didn't have the internet. I didn't have it. It started when I started going to college, but we didn't have it in high school. So when I questioned something, I was told by an authority, this is the way it is, you just believe it and go with it. And that could be good or bad. But now our children have access to anything in the world. And so do you. All you got to do is get your little iPad and pull up what you want, and you'll find it. You can search, is Jesus real? And somebody will say, of course he's not. Listen to me. And what we've done is created a monster that has crept into our congregations. Now bear with me, I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me. In American Christianity... I have to believe it's just like Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount about the straight and narrow path, the broad path. You see, I believe there's a broad path now that exists in the church and the congregation of the American church today. The broad path of complacency. The broad path of easy believism. The, the broad path of compromise. The broad path of saying what we want to say to meet people's emotional high. And that can be difficult for the pastor. But I say this in encouragement, and everybody listen to me. If you teach, preach, or you're a born-again believer, sharing the gospel, you be encouraged. And you keep sharing the gospel that those that are lost may be saved, even here. Listen to me. But I also believe there's a narrow path that is found in the church today. That there's a narrow path of those who are like the baby robins in a nest, with their mouths wide open, hungering to be fed with the Word of God. They're few. But let me tell you something, preachers, teachers, and disciples of Jesus. Then you build on the gospel. And you feed them. And let God take care of the cleansing, and let Him take care of the increases. For He alone is worthy. I'm telling you now, the one path that was in the world that he preaches about, the path that leads to destruction, has crept into the American congregation. But there's a narrow path, people. And that narrow path is found in Jesus Christ. If you don't have a relationship with him, then what I just spoke on will not make any difference to you whatsoever. The only peace that is found is peace in Him. 
The faith and trust in Him who died for our sin. Who died for you. That we may live. And the same peace that He gave us when He saved us, He will sustain us. And then we can rejoice in the bad times. And we can take encouragement that no matter where we go, even if we're surrounded by people that call themselves believers and live like hell, be encouraged and keep preaching the gospel that they may be saved. You see, narrow that path that leads to righteousness, few find it. Because the broad path of complacency, compromise, biblical illiteracy, Because they just like the children of old, like me, that heard what somebody said and just regurgitated it. And then all of a sudden that began to change into an easy believism thought that all I got to do is say the right things, do the right things, and I'm a child of God. Let me tell you something very clearly. If you're a born again believer in Christ, you not have only been formed in His image when you were born, you were transformed and reborn when He saved you. Which means this. Your life is different. You have been saved. And there is a testimony that goes with it. This is what I was. This is what Christ has done in my life. And this is where I am now. There must be a story. But I will tell you this. My story was written many years ago, but your story could start today. You see, let me tell you something. It took me a long time to understand what peace was because I searched so many places to find it. And there's nothing that ever gave me satisfaction. There was no resolve. But one day, Christ grabbed a hold of my heart. And I surrendered to Him. And I've never looked back. Because I can assure you, in my life, much rain has fallen. But he has always walked with me in the eye of the storm. And even when the eye crosses over and the calmness dies, he's still with me. What road are we on? I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of pastors here lately. This is a growing trend as people leaving the church. I can promise you that if you search hard enough, you'll find whatever you want to find and hear whatever you want to hear. I promise you. You can play checkers as long as you want, and somebody will preach what you, need to, what you think you need to hear. And I'm not a prophet nor a son of a prophet, nor am I better than any person that puts on their britches. I am what I am by the grace of God, but I'll tell you this. I believe the only way to be saved is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I believe the only way to be saved is through faith and repentance. And I believe that when you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you want others to know that you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. And I believe there must be a testimony. And brothers and sisters, I tell you this. In a world with all the things that are being ripped upon us, Christian and religious things are being taken away. You rejoice. And count it worthy to suffer for Christ. When you're sick, count it worthy 
When you're laughed at by men, count it worthy. Because they hated him first before they hated you. But know this. The peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts if you are in him. You know, I think about this. I'm taking it out of context, but I'll close with this. You see, the Bible tells me that when Adam and Eve sinned, they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. Remember that story? What stood before the garden to not let them in? You remember? Seraphim, you shall not pass. Because of their sin, they were kept out of the garden. But now listen to this. Because of our faith and repentance in Jesus Christ, there's a garrison of the Holy Spirit around your heart that says you shall not pass. You should rejoice in that. Because the Holy Spirit will seal you. You may take a whooping and they may take your life but there's not a single soul or any other principality can separate you from the love of Christ. Period. And He is worthy to be praised. You continue to rejoice in Him, get your minds out of the gutter and you reflect on Him. Because I can tell you this, whenever you're tempted to think about those things that shouldn't be in your mind, you go to the Word of God. Because the first thing he says, whatever's true. Whatever's true. Brothers and sisters, be encouraged. You be encouraged as you leave this place. If you're a born again believer in Jesus Christ, hallelujah, share that with somebody. Because I'm going to be honest with you. The path is narrow that leads to righteousness and few find it. And broad is the path of destruction. If you're on the broad path, I pray today that you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. There is no tomorrow. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. And I've said many, many times, I don't know when you're going to leave this world, but you can know how you leave it. Trust in Him. Cling to Him. Hold on to Him with all your might. And He'll never leave you or forsake you. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the grace and mercy that you pour upon us. God, I thank you for the price paid at Calvary. Lord, I thank you for all the things that, well, as Corey Ten Boom said, Lord, we thank you for the fleas. We thank you for the pains, the nuances that just come in and just pick us apart sometimes that we may grow and learn from it. God, there's times I haven't been happy with a lot of things and I've had to examine myself. Lord, there's none of us immune to anything. But Lord, because of your Son, Jesus Christ, we have been sealed into the day of redemption. When you'll come back and we'll stand before everybody, And the day that you separate the sheep from the goats, let us be numbered with the sheep. God, I know that there's many in this world and many that are around us, Lord, that struggle. 
Lord, I pray that first the peace that is found that we all have that are born again believers, that if one is not here that has salvation in your son Jesus Christ, that you show them what real peace is. Convict their hearts. Lord, the Bible tells us, whosoever shall call upon your name shall be saved. Lord, I pray for the salvation of those who have no relationship. But Lord, even in the midst of the way things are going, whether it's in the congregations, whether it's in the world, Lord, we are to be encouraged as your born-again believers. The Lord, we may see some things that frustrate us, but we keep pressing on with the gospel. We keep evangelizing, we keep building upon the foundation that you laid on the cross. And that, Lord, we would see your name glorified in all things. And all God's people said, stand and worship with us, please.